Welcome to Lamb of God Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Father Glenn and Cindy are on a vacation, and I asked if, who was preaching, and he said, why don't you just share uh, what you shared at, in Northport last week? And so um, I prayed about it, and nothing was coming alive in the verses. I mean, it's kind of sad to say nothing was coming alive in God's Word. That's not what I meant. I... Uh, Nothing, no sermon was coming to arising, and I, I've been thinking still a lot about some of the things that the Lord was speaking to me that uh, became that sermon, and uh, sorry, this is a little loose. Um, so um, I've just been meditating on this. Um, the Lord's been really encouraging me about the diversity of His gifts, and that's what I spoke on last week when I preached for Father Ronnie in Northport, our church down there. Um, and so I just felt like I wanted to share some of that here and then a few other things. Um, let's pray. Father, we welcome you to come. I offer myself to you, my words, my lips, my heart, that you would speak through me, that you would open our hearts to receive whatever you want to share, whatever you want to implant within us. Uh, we welcome you, Lord, to uh, do within us what you choose. For you are a sovereign God who is deeply loving and works all moves all heaven and earth to accomplishes your purpose through your people Lord in your mercy the main text this morning is going to be Romans chapter 12 starting in verse 1 but I first want to um, uh, open with just a, a quick story um, I don't know how many of you all in the early days of the, our church in Fairfield when it was at first church, um, Christ the King uh, the ch- yeah, I think that's what it was named. Christ Church is what they called it when Jim Pinto was the rector, and then their church came into the CEC. Um, they had a, a, an older woman there who was named Esther Lee, and Esther Lee, uh, when I first served, I think it was when we brought them into the CEC, and uh, all the clergy. They had two rooms in the back. One was where the bishop would vest, and one was where the rest of the people, us clergy, would vest. And it was very nicely um, provisioned with with uh, beverages and snacks and everything you might need to, if you lost, forgot your cincture or your stole. You know, they had everything. And Esther Lee would, would uh, be back there to serve the clergy, and she would make sure that everyone was well-dressed, that all of our pleats lined up, that our stoles were not crooked. And she would make sure we were lined up in, in re- getting ready for a procession. And it sounds like she could be really annoying, but it was a real blessing because she served with a real joy in her heart to see the clergy all neat and well. Because a lot of us, you know, sometimes come, I'm not so disheveled today, but sometimes, you know, we might forget in our haste and some don't care and just might come in, in a ragged or rumpled clothes, and she would make sure that that was not going to happen on her watch. But uh, this meant several times I preached over there or served over there when, when Bishop came uh, to speak. Um, I, I was just really impressed with her, that her ministry. Uh, she it was part of the altar guild, which is the people who serve to make sure things are cleaned and set up well. And um, I, But I've just always thought of that. You know, there are certain people who have a gift, and they practice it with great joy and you can feel that you can feel the anointing on them for what would normally seem a fairly simple task although hurting clergy is not a simple task um, 
But I, I've just that she, her service and the gift that she exercised so beautifully has just always stuck in my mind as a great example of what God intends for us to be as we exercise the gifts that He's given each of us. One of the things that has always impressed me, I've always lived with a sense of wonder. Sorry about taking my glasses on and off. I still haven't gotten those transitional ones after my surgery, so I hope it doesn't annoy y'all. Um, I've always lived with a sense of wonder. Even before I, I knew the Lord, um, I just always, I guess, had this. I, I grew up w- with the Apollo missions. I was six years old when my family watched Neil Armstrong take the first step on the moon, and I remember that. I think I was seated in a stroller uh, in front of the TV, and black, black and white TV, I think it was, and little tiny thing, you know, now, got these huge things. Um, and every Apollo launch we would watch, every moon landing we would watch, every mission, uh, and then into the space shuttle. And it was just a real, it's just my, my imagination was, was like built up. And I just have this sense of awe. And I used to love taking walks at night and seeing the stars and just thinking that we had been up there. I still love, I mean, we were, where were we last night that we saw the moon? And I just, I looked up at it and I thought, we have been there and come back. I mean, that's a, just a monumental, I'm sorry, this thing is really annoying me. It just will not stay in place. <laughs> um, you know, they estimate that the, and, and these estimates of just how vast the universe is have increased over the, over the years. And I, I, in a sermon a couple of years ago, I think I shared a picture of that deep space photograph that was taken through over 50 exposures over a 10-year period. The Hubble spacecraft took a long look at this little spot in, I think it was Ursula Major or Ursula Minor, one of those constellations. There was a black spot that no telescope had revealed any, anything there. And they decided to just kind of, on a, it wasn't random, it was chosen by these astronomers to focus on that spot and just see what we saw. It was really a, just a pursuit of curiosity. And over a number of, um, they did it twice, they did it with, um, with the deep space um, telescope, the Hubble, and then they did one that was even deeper. They allowed it to go back and do this regularly. They, they discovered that um, within that, uh, that little tiny, I mean, it was if you held your hand out at arm's length, it would be the size of a pinprick on your on your fingernail. That's how big that spot was in the sky. And they discovered thousands upon thousands of galaxies visible. Galaxies. This is like we're in a galaxy. We're in an obscure corner on the outer rim of a galaxy called the Milky Way. This is like tens of thousands of galaxies in this pinprick. They estimate that there are between 100 and 200 billion galaxies in the in the universe. That's a lot of stars. That's a vast universe. Then there's also this amazing complexity and beauty and diversity in nature. They estimate that there are over six, uh, about 6,500 uh, species of mammals alone, and every year they're discovering more. There are over 391,000 species of plants. What I found fascinating when I looked this up is that over 94% of those species of plants are flowering. Isn't that just the heart of God that he would want to do his creation with that with a little extra beauty? There are over 90 million species of 900 million species of insects. That's kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> 
in a study that was done in North Carolina and repeated in Pennsylvania, they took um, uh, soil samples down to five inches randomly over a large area, and then they, they counted all of the animal life, meaning everything, insects, worms, rodents, you know, whatever they could find. Um, and they estimated that on average in North Carolina that there were 124 million animals per acre. 124 million animals below our feet that we walk on per acre. In uh, Pennsylvania, it was in it was over 200 million animals per acre. Then you just look at the human body. And we, we have over 30 trillion cells in our body that all have a unique purpose. We have this genetic code that forms them, that God set in motion and so that these unique cells could be created and they could do the thing they were created to do. And just like Estelle, it's a wondrous thing when you observe something that is doing the thing that it was created to do, that it was exercising the gifts or the purpose for which it was created. In Romans chapter 1, chapter 12, verse 1, Paul appeals to the church at Rome, and he says, Brothers, by the mercy of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. He's calling them to place themselves upon the altar of God and to sacrifice themselves, like our gospel reading today, to, um, to give ourselves to him, as a sacrifice. One of the unique things here in this verse is in the Old Testament, sacrifice, which was very familiar to every Jew, every uh, member of the nation of Israel, was the concept of sacrifice. A sacrifice was killed and spread out on the altar and burned, whether it's a little dove or if it's a large heifer. It was slaughtered and burned. He's asking us to be living sacrifices. But the unique thing about a living sacrifice is it has to choose to be upon that altar. It has to choose to stay there. So Paul is admonishing us to yield ourselves to him and to be available to him to be used in any way that he chooses. This, he says in verse 2, no, in verse the second part of verse 1, this sacrifice is holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. This is the very act of worshiping him with our lives, is allowing ourselves to remain on the altar of sacrifice and be used up for him, whether it's to be burned up in a fire set by the priests or consumed by uh, the fire at the, as the prophets of Baal stood around and watched God consume this from a fire from the sky. How does God want to use us? How does he want to consume us? That's not the choice of the sacrifice. It's the choice of God. And the willing sacrifice that is an act of worship remains on that altar, gets to be used of God in unique ways. Then in verse 3 it says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Verse 4, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. God is not um, blind to our individuality. He created it. 
He intended us to express the things that he's given us according to the faith he grants us and the grace that he gives us, to express the gifts he gives us in a way only we can. That's the tragedy of people who struggle with um, insecurity or a false image or lies about themselves and feeling like they're somehow less than others because we are, 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 are created in his image to display his glory in a unique way that no other person on this earth can do. As I've mentioned in another sermon, a, a great scene from C.S. Lewis's The Great Divorce is where the, the, the person telling the story is telling a story as if he had been taken up into the foothills of heaven where and uh, where relatives who've gone before come down to escort you up into the heights. Okay, This is fictitious, and he tells you this, but it's a way of imagining uh, uh, bigger truths that he teaches. And um, one of the things, as at the, near the end of his tour, his guide, who has been, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, the great Scottish writer, um, just escaped me. Um, he, no, Christian uh, writer, wrote... Uh, Anyway, it'll come to me. Um, as he's escorting him, he suddenly is lifted from the earth, and he goes and sees things, and he sees these massive beings hovered over what looks like a playing, like a game board. And there's just this immense glory to these beings. And when he asks about these, I mean, massive, like universe size, you know, almost, or, or solar system size, he said, this is, this is the contents of a soul. This is the worth of a soul that's invisible to us. That, that we have this immense worth because of our creation by God. And a God who could create this universe, it doesn't make a mistake in the creation of any one of us. He says, um, the, one of the amazing things is that one of the things that to me is really encouraging is that he grants us these unique gifts to exercise by the faith that he has assigned us. He has not assigned every one of us to face a firing squad. He has not called every one of us to sacrifice our lives in, you know, by going into the Muslim world and preaching Christ in the streets, which would mean almost sure death. He doesn't call us uh, all to do the same things or to make the same sacrifices. He doesn't call all of us to go into the street and preach cold turkey. Some of us he will. Sometimes he'll challenge us. But he calls us in different ways. Like Estelle, who serves the clergy in a way that blesses them and eases their minds so that we know that when we go out, we're all put together and we don't have to worry about it. We all feel like we're dressed nicely in our tuxedo, our spiritual tuxedos. <laughs> um, or the gift of somebody like a friend of mine I, I've touched base with again. He's a, he lives in Sweden. And um, he went through a really hard time. And I pray for him often and um, wasn't sure how he was doing. And when I reached out to him, found that he had gotten into, he's a big guy. Actually, you've, you've met him, Father Ebenezer. Um, he's, he lives in Sweden now. And he went through a real hard time. He's not in the CEC. And he really was struggling to find his footing. And he found him, one of the things, he, a joy he discovered was, was uh, mountain biking. And he's a very big guy, you remember. He just, by nature, he's big. And he, um, but he found that finding a bicycle that could support a big guy was very difficult. So he found that there was a group, other groups of people who, who wanted to get into bicycling, but it was hard to find bikes who were sturdy enough to take big people on into the, into the, uh, into the mountains, you know. And uh, he's, he's biked 
thousands of miles now. And he's his form. He has a his Instagram is um, I think it's like XL Cyclist, extra large cyclist. And he writes and he posts and he's found this whole community of people who are, really identify with what he's what he's trying to do. And he ministers to these people. He sows into their lives, and many of them come from very diverse. But they all come from a diverse background, most of them not a Christian background throughout Europe. And he's found that he gets to just sow truth little by little as he meets and he talks to these people. And occasionally God opens their hearts to him to where they trust him and he can then share the gospel with them in a way that where their hearts have been prepared through his love and his friendship and his camaraderie that he establishes with them. And I, think, I mean, who would think an extra large cyclist ministry? But God uses it. Another friend of mine um, uh, found, uh, who found himself in difficult circumstances uh, got a job doing pest control and as God started working in his heart and drawing his heart back to where he was um, walking really well with the Lord uh, one of the things he discovered is pest control puts him in the houses of people who allow them in and, and a lot of times people would open up to him about needs and so he would pray for them and encourage them with a, a word and uh, really, and at times brought people to tears, led people to Christ who are, and he, you know, when you're in pest control, you're in every type of house, rich or poor, uh, you know, in, in, in a nice neighborhood or in, in a difficult neighborhood. Um, but God put him in a place through much difficulty to exercise this gift of mercy that he has and taking the gospel to people who, who open up because you're in their home. Um, so God grants us a measure of faith, and we operate in those gifts in the body. The ideal setting for the maturing and the practice of these gifts is the body of Christ, because we are like our bodies with those 30 trillion cells, that each one of them has a unique purpose. Granted, a lot of them have similar purposes, but a lot of them have very unique purposes. Every organ, like he says in uh, Corinthians, that none, none is less than the other. It's the same with somebody who serves, who wants to serve uh, at the altar, who wants to serve with childcare, who wants to serve with uh, running the soundboard and the projection system, or, or lead worship, or pray. These are all unique gifts that, that we need in the body of Christ to be a healthy body. One of his admonitions is not to think too highly of ourselves. And I think in the context of what he's admonishing people to think with sober judgment is to, as God uses us within the giftings he's given us, he does not intend, it, he, 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 we, we should always recognize that these gifts are not our own by our own nature. But they are given to us as gifts, so we can rejoice in them. We can thank God for the gifts. But we shouldn't somehow be puffed up in pride and this is where a lot of people fall when they, they, they feel somehow when they've had great success in ministry, as with great success in life, that somehow there's something inherent within themselves that has earned them this blessing. Um, not that hard work, you know, and giftedness doesn't produce oftentimes great benefits, but we have to acknowledge that all of these things come as a gift of God. So he admonishes us to, to assess ourselves with soberness and with sound judgment. In verse uh, 4 through 8, one of the things he's emphasizing is this uniqueness and, then in, in, and the fact that it's his grace. In verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service 
in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And then he goes and says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. The beauty of the, the, the great vast gifts that God's given us is that they operate, they're mature within the body of Christ, among a group of brothers and sisters who can encourage us in the gifts, who can call us when maybe they become imbalanced. And, and within the context of a congregation where you hear the word of God preached and holds us accountable as the word, which Hebrews says is living and active and uh, pierces to the division of our soul and spirit, our joint and marrow and judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the gifts are meant to be, all of our gifts are meant to be exercised within the context of a believing congregation immersed in the word of God full, uh, um, in, a, in, in a group of loving people who are willing to let us make mistakes and suffer with us and encourage us nonetheless. This is where the gifts are, where God calls us to exercise these gifts. In Ephesians chapter 4, um, one of my favorite, some of my favorite verses on the gifts, and there are so many gifts. You know, Paul in in, in uh, Romans when he talked about the various gifts, um, the gifts of prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, con- uh, generosity, leadership, mercy. These were these. Are, this is not an exhaustive list of giftings. This is just a sampling. He does mention some ministry roles in Ephesians chapter um, chapter four. Sorry, I said six. Did I? Chapter four, um, where he talks about how God's given some to be pastors and prophets and apostles. Um, let's see. Oh, I mean, no wonder I'm in Galatians. Find my place. Yeah, in verse 11, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. These are ministry gifts. These are, these are gifts where people have unique roles of leadership within the body. But all of them have a purpose to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So the, the ministry gifts that God gives to the church, the capital C and lowercase c, the parishes, the, the local congregations, are here to, to, to prepare the rest of us for ministry for y'all to be the ones to be doing, exercising these gifts, whether it be service or exhortation or prophecy or words of knowledge or whatever that gifting would be, that you all have been granted by the faith that God's given you and the grace that he's imparted, unique giftings. And it's just a beautiful thing to see as these gifts are exercised. And he says that one of the purposes in verse 12 was to equip the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, Jesus, to a mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by the craftiness and deceitful schemes. I mean, doesn't this sound like what we live in today with all this stuff going on in the media? You just cannot, you don't know who to trust. I mean, there's been so many, so many... Um, corrections in or back and forth about our understanding of, of what we should do about this virus. Um, a lot you know a lot of it was just because we were trying to figure it out early on, but we know a lot more and yet there's still a lot of a lot of contradiction. Um, 
then you, of course, it's it's a it's ripe for deception. A year of election, especially this this particular election, with um, you know otherwise reputable news sources, however left leaning or right leaning they might be, still willing to promulgate deception so that to get their side to win. It's it's just sickening to watch. I've never quite seen it this bad. I think all of us who lived long enough probably feel that same way. Uh, so we live within an atmosphere and an environment worldwide of just great deception, which is the work of the enemy. He's a deceiver. Um, but he says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the body, into Christ, from whom the whole body, meaning us, the church, joined together, joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And this is the key, is that the, the body grows together in maturity, each member individually and as a congregation and as a global church grows together and matures as each of us, as we've been equipped, takes our part and works properly, fulfills the, the calling God called us to. And when we're and it, which, as it said, Paul says, which each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The ultimate gift, I mean, the ultimate purpose of the gifts God's given us is love. That we would love Him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That we would love each other as ourselves. It's this love for each other that tells the world that we are Christians. It speaks of Jesus. And to operate in the one's giftings in the midst of a loving congregation and community is a beautiful thing. So, one, you know, one of the sad things um, is when people who do have unique personalities and giftings and interests are talked down on. It happens especially in school. You know, it's a, it's a tragic thing when a girl who likes Batman gets bullied because she likes something that guys are supposed to like, or a kid or a boy who enjoys the elegance and strength of a male dancer is somehow labeled, um, you know, a sissy because he admires that. And um, when so it basically shuts that down as a venue for maybe exercising a gift that God has given him. We, 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 we threw our, 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 our immaturity and, our, criti- and our, our criticalness and our sin, we, we narrow down the scope of the gifts that God can give us and, and in which we can operate. Yet his giftings, like his universe, like his created order, like the amazing composition of our bodies, is so diverse. And as each of us fills the purposes for which God called us, his, he is proclaimed to the, to the world. He, seeds are planted of God's vast and beautiful truth, and it gives us a platform to share the gospel. You know, I, I just uh, have seen so many times where somebody who is walking in the gifts God's given him, they become a testament to the gospel, like Father Ebenezer and his extra-large bikes, and uh, Esther Lee and her serving the clergy, or somebody who picks up a crying child to, alle- to relieve, a, relieve a mom and dad who might not have gotten enough sleep. You know, those are all just beautiful gifts. And as we encourage one another in these gifts, as we walk in them, the Bible says in, in uh, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29, Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. What he's saying there is 
that God will exercise the gifts that he's given you. You may find yourself at times in places of great obscurity where he for a time, and sometimes it can be a long time, is forming you and shaping you and causing you to, come, to draw near to him, to deal with disappointment oftentimes, to shed sins or bad habits or bad attitudes, and it takes a long time, but he is molding you for his purposes. And if he ever does call some of you to lay your life physically down or to step out and to proclaim the gospel in public, he will prepare you for that. Like um, Cory Ten Boone's father, when she was asking, she was afraid of death and she was a little girl and she was in bed and she asked her dad um, if, if, if she told her dad that she was afraid of death. And he said, at that time, the trains that ran, uh, he said, when does the conductor pick up your ticket? And evidently then it was just before you get off the train at your stop. And he said, just like that, God grants the faith when you need it. When you have to step off that train and step out to allow God to exercise his gifts through you, he will give you the grace. He will give you the faith to fulfill those in a godly and a beautiful way. Because I can say that when you watch somebody who you just know was called to something and they're exercising those gifts and those gifts have matured, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Amen? Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Hope to see you next time.